If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. God wants to finish the story. And the very thing that we would love, He enfolds in Himself all that would bring joy and life and peace to us. Welcome to Keep the Main Thing, a podcast of sermons and messages from Pastor Leland Evenson. I'm Mark Evenson. Happy New Year to all of you. This sermon, like the previous three podcasts, is from a series of teachings Pastor Lee gave in conjunction with a class he was teaching at North Heights. It is based on Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. Today, Pastor Lee is teaching from the sixth chapter in 2 Corinthians. The title for today's message is Blanket Coverage. Something that has struck me this week after listening to the sermon was a phrase Pastor Lee uses in this message, asking us if we are carrying God's grace around in our pocket. I found myself asking, do I do that? Instead of allowing God's grace to blanket my life and sharing God's grace with others, or do I just keep grace in my pocket and pull it out when I really, really need it, and then hope for the best instead of expecting the best. He alludes to the 1988 election taking place at that time. Pastor Lee gives us some advice, not the kind of advice you think he might give. Well, on second thought, actually, it would be the kind of advice Pastor Lee would give us as we enter into the 2024 election season. This is a wonderful message on faith, a great reminder of how God's grace not only has opened the doors to heaven for us, it is available to us today today, every day. Here is Blanket Coverage by Pastor Leland Evenson, first given on March 13, 1988. They lived in a little shack out in North Dakota in my first parish. Three brothers and a sister, they never had married. And when I first got out there, I felt sorry for them, living in that poor little shack in real poverty and uh, no electricity and no telephone, as I recall. Uh, probably a little two, three room, and they had kind of a loft where to get up to it. Uh, apparently a couple of them slept up there. They had kind of, kind of a stepladder that went up there. The tragedy was not that they lived in that situation, but the tragedy was they didn't have to. I found out later when I began to inquire that they were very wealthy people, that somehow the living through the depression had done something to them. And so uh, they were simply hoarding and saving up all their money. And in the great good years that they had in North Dakota during the, the war and following the war when wheat prices were high, they had good land and were enabled to uh, have a lot of money. But they lived in poverty. And the Lord seemed to say, you know, you're like that. The analogy breaks down because they certainly had earned their money but didn't really enjoy it and couldn't use it to have other people enjoy it. By grace, we are made rich in Jesus. It's a richness that's not just something laid up in heaven that's uh, down the line. But it's a grace that should change everything that we do in every minute of every day that we live our lives. 
Paul, in the sixth chapter of 2 Corinthians, talks about accepting the grace of God in vain. Today we're on the sixth chapter to take some thoughts out of there. One can't begin to get all that's in there in 20 minutes or 200 minutes, but at least just to leave some thoughts that the Lord has laid on my heart. The first few verses says, And as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, in the day of my salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Too often, when I looked at these verses, I, I thought simply of its grace to get us into heaven. And, you know, now is the time of God's grace, now is the day of salvation. It's for those who are not Christians. But the more I've had to study this and teaching it over at the Lay Training Center and in studying it for Sunday morning, I come to see that what Paul, as you look at the rest of the chapter, is really saying, it says we can receive the grace of God in vain if we don't see that now is a day of salvation, now is a time of God's favor, that God is here, God is now, God is able to do a work in us and through us in every situation that we're in. The tragedy would be to have someone now, when spring comes, to order seeds, all kinds of seeds for vegetables and flowers, and to carry them around in his pocket all spring and summer and fall. They would be the same as when he received them. And you see what they could be and what they are. And too often we carry God's grace around in our pockets. We don't allow it to be what it's meant to be in every situation you've gone through this past week, in every time you've had to deal with your children, in every decision you've had to make at work, in every time you have loved your wife or your husband. In every situation, God's grace is meant to blanket it, to change it, to renew it, to resurrect it, to make it alive so that he can make us glad. Paul didn't waste much grace, apparently, as he learned to accept it. He knew that God was in, in operation. And so he goes on to say in the third verse of this sixth chapter, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance and troubles and hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, and hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, and the Holy Spirit, and sincere love, in truthful speech, and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known and yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. <clears throat> How could Paul do that? Wasn't he kind of bragging when he said, we commend ourselves in every situation? Look at us. You see, he understood grace. He had a confidence in God's grace that whatever he went through, God was going to be there with him. That's why in Acts he said, we're going up to Jerusalem and we're going to stop along the way. And every place we're stopped, we're going to have sufferings and hardships. He said it as a matter of fact, but that God's blanket grace would be there so that God would be glorified in it. Faith works. It works in everything, on every day, at every place, and every time. When we're, I used to, you know, probably still do, make excuses for my behavior. You know, I'd say, well, I was tired, you know, and I irritable with my 
uh, children or my wife, or, or, you know, you shouldn't bring that up before the evening meal. You know, the chemistry of the body is at its lowest in terms of accepting anything. And, uh, or I haven't been feeling good. I have a headache. Paul didn't understand it that way. He understood that that's where God's grace can work, where God's life can come to bear and his power and his glory. He looked in every situation that God wants to blanket everything in our lives with a sense of his presence and his grace. So he said we don't put a, st a stumbling block in anyone's way, only a stepping stone. Are you a stepping stone? Because God can blanket every situation you're in with his grace and so people see not your frustration or your irritableness, but they see some of the things that Paul lists later here in this list. <clears throat> My dis biggest disappointment in terms of the presidential election has already taken place. The disappointment was in reading one of the letters in the sailor, which we get in the, the Plymouth uh, area. I don't know, some of you live outside of that, but there are letters to the editor. Two of them really disturbed me. One was uh, from a high school student. They had asked, the teacher to ask the classes as part of their class to visit the various caucuses. This one young lady had gone to a caucus where some of those who were for a certain Christian candidate had been very obnoxious. So obnoxious with their pious phrases and with their uh, being inconsiderate of others that finally she couldn't take it any longer and she walked out. What a travesty, you see. God wanted to blanket every caucus, but he didn't want to blanket it with a sense of being obnoxious, but with a sense of presence, with a sense of honesty, with a sense of fairness, with a sense of his life. Do you blanket every situation? <clears throat> Do you allow God's grace to come to pass when your child spills their juice? When they need to be disciplined? Certainly they need discipline, but is it done with a sense of God's grace being there so God is blanketing that situation? There's a temptation to be dishonest in your work? Paul said, we commend ourselves in everything because I know God wants blanket coverage. He wants to cover every situation with a sense, for he has prepared, as we heard in his epistle, the good works beforehand that we should walk in them. By grace are we saved. But then it goes on to say, this grace is not simply to get us into heaven, it's to get heaven and his grace in us into the world. My uh, son and my wife uh, used to accuse me of being a fair-weather fan. If my team was behind, such as they were a few weeks ago, I was watching, I don't know, some athletic contest, and I got up and I said to Scott, I'm going to bed. He said, Dad, you always do that. Your team gets way behind, <clears throat> and then you just kind of leave. And sure enough, he came up later, and I brought ready to get in the bed, and they come back and scored two goals. Now they're only one goal behind. So now I'm staying up, you see. And, and <laughs> But too often we're fair-weather Christians. <clears throat> we bloom. We bloom in the greenhouses, you see. We bloom when the weather is right and my belly is full and my circumstances are right. But anybody, it says in another place, anybody can bloom in those circumstances, Paul says in another place. You love those who love you, big deal. 
To understand God's grace is to understand that we can bloom, we can be perennials who bloom in storms and droughts and below zero kind of situation wherever we go. <clears throat> Paul says we commend ourselves in every situation. Sleepless nights and hunger and beatings and prisons and all the rest. Because God wants to blanket the world with people's sense of his being here. There was a, uh, a delivery service that had um, um, a sign on the outside of the, uh, painted on it to advertise, you can always count on us, was a sign. Well, somebody apparently had, <clears throat> had some dealings with this certain delivery service, and somebody had taken a can of spray paint and crudely had put underneath that the words, Oh, really? Oh, really? Paul had said to the Lord, in a sense, you can always count on me. He said to other people, he said, whatever you see in me do, he said that to Christians. He didn't say it as a sense of vain kind of power within himself, but the sufficiency of God's grace. Can the Lord always count on you? Can he get blanket coverage through you? So that whether you're driving in traffic or in a restaurant and dealing with a, a waiter or a waitress in whatever way, or whether you go to a caucus, or whether you're out on a date, or whether you have to make a decision in your work that demands honesty and maybe loss of profit. You see, God's grace is not to get us to someplace, especially. Too often today we've heard God's grace is to get me to health and to wealth and to be president of the company and for my company to make money. And we always hear these things written up. I sometimes would like to have someone write up a story that says God's grace was sufficient not to get him to something, but to get him through something because Paul was mostly talking about God's grace to get him through his situation, not to get him to the top. Blanket coverage. He wants to have that through you. So that wherever you go, he goes. Paul said, <clears throat> what's going to happen in those places? Purity, sometimes understanding, patience, grace will come out now, kindness sometimes, in the Holy Spirit sometimes, with a sense of God's immediate presence, in sincere love, in truthful speech, in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. Offense and defense, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. See, that grace will show itself in all of these ways that Paul talks about in this situation. Am I only fair weather? Do I only bloom in the greenhouse? Or do I bloom where I'm planted because God has put me in that situation with that person I can't stand at work or the neighbor next door? Am I trying to get out of it? Or to see His grace can get me through it? To have a love and concern? Am I a thermostat or thermometer? Ther a thermometer only registers the circumstances. It reacts to the heat in the room. <clears throat> a thermostat changes the situation. It brings heat or it brings cool depending on what is needed. Christians today need not 
They need to quit reacting to situations, reacting as the world reacts, and learn to respond and to know the power of God's grace, to have confidence in the grace of God that he wants to give blanket coverage in every situation to them so that the world can see something of who he is in the lives of us who claim to know him. He goes on to talk, we have spoken freely to you Corinthians and open wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affections from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children, open wide your hearts also. God has given us blanket coverage for God to love the world. That's you. And I hope you know that this morning. That he loves every one of you. That's what the cross and the gospel is about. His blanket is that big. The tragedy in the church at Corinth, they were withholding their love from Paul. They were pouting because he had given them a lecture, he had written them a stiff letter because there needed to be some repentance. And, and they were going to show him. And so they were withholding their love. Paul says we're... We're blanketing you with love if you're withholding from us. Are you giving blanket coverage with your love to everybody in the body of Christ? Are there certain people here in the body because of difference in temperament or ideas or politics or whatever that you withhold, you kind of avoid them or make sure you're not around them or you always get kind of an uneasiness in your spirit. To know his grace is to know that he can give us love for the whole body of Christ. Yeah, even your wife or husband, you may be withholding your love from them. Subtle ways, sometimes not so subtle. Maybe in your sexual relationship. Maybe in your unwillingness to go someplace. Maybe just in your spirit. Maybe it happened even this morning. His love and His grace are sufficient to give you a blanket of love for everyone. For God's blanket covers everybody. I remember the story of a little girl who <clears throat> was going to bed and her mother wanted her to just be affirmed of her love. And she said uh, to the girl, my blanket of love is always around you no matter where I am. Just like this blanket. I want you to remember that. Girl, little girl is really reassured. And then she thought for a moment, and then she said, happily, God's blanket of love is big enough to cover the whole world, isn't it, Mommy? And she understood what many people don't understand. How big is your blanket of love? By grace. It's by grace that I can say and have said to certain people, you know I love you. And it's only by His grace that that can be done. But it's grace so we don't live in a little shack. But we see by grace the great kind of cathedral or castle or mansion that is big enough to have a castle of love for everybody. Finally, the blanket coverage 
he ends up, do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what a righteousness and wickedness have in common. Pastor Rich gave a good message the other Sunday on Psalm 1. He talks about not walking or standing or sitting in those. You see, because if he's really alive in you, we, you cannot be mismated with unbelievers. That doesn't mean you do not love. You see, you're in the world, you're not love the world. A, a doctor treats those who are sick or contaminated, but he doesn't become sick himself. But the story of Israel, if you remember, is a story of them constantly getting contaminated by the world rather than them being the leaven in the world. They were drawn, even Solomon, in the wisdom that he had, he ended up being drawn into the world through these marriages. And so Paul is talking about not being mismated. If you're in business with someone who's not a Christian, it's very difficult because you see things differently. God blanket coverage is everything is different how you see how to have a good time where you want to go the whole works and so you know somehow there's a departing of the ways that says in Deuteronomy not to do not plow together with an ox and ass certain things don't go together they they're incompatible it's not that you deliberately have a holier-than-thou attitude, but it's just simply your nature is different birds of a feather flock together you saw that in the farm all the time <clears throat> those of the same nature would come together. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. That doesn't mean you go out deliberately, you know, a mother and father, it says, and husband, you know, that, and some of you who are Christians and became a Christian after your marriage and your husband or wife isn't, you sense a kind of chasm there. It's simply because of the new grace of God operating that you're a temple of the Lord and so you see things differently. <clears throat> and so Paul's concern is that we aren't drawn back into the old way. That we forget the grace and go back to the old way of living. To come out from among them and be separate. We need to be a unique people today, you see. A unique people through whom God's grace can flow and people can see some of the things that Paul talks about. The power of God. The love. The peace. The understanding. All of these things he lists here. And, and I'd like to have you go home and read this and study and meditate on it. In every situation he comes. Bob Richards uh, was a uh, wonderful uh, person in the Olympics. Uh, when I was uh, growing up, his uh, picture was on the uh, Wheaties box top, uh, which is quite a few years ago, I'm sure. It hasn't been on it for a long time. But he was a pole vaulter and a wonderful Christian man. <clears throat> he tells a story which, to me, kind of sums up, I guess, some of the things I've been trying to share about a fellow who was on the football team and was a real goof-off. He just was kind of on there for the Friday nights and for the band and the cheerleaders and all the hip-hip, but he didn't want to do the calisthenics. He was somewhere between uh, the bench and off the team. and uh, He would uh, do the calisthenics if the coach was watching, but if not, he would just kind of lie there and let the others. He'd cut the corners when they to do laps. And, it was no big deal, very casual, and he added little to the team and uh, wasn't any sense of commitment. One day the uh, coach came and said, hey kid, here's a telegram for you. And the kid was so lazy, he said, coach, you read it, I don't want to. So the coach opened up the letter and it said, dear son, your father is dead. Come home immediately. <clears throat> the 
coach swallowed hard and said take the rest of the week off. He didn't care if he took the rest of the year off as far as playing football because he hadn't added anything anyhow. So the son went home to his father's funeral and came back later for the, the next week's college game. And as soon as uh, he came back, the coach sensed there was something different about him. He seemed to be much more enthused and was the first out of the locker room for calisthenics to warm up for the game. And as soon as the game started, he came over and said, Coach, can I play today? Can I play today? Coach said, hey, kid, uh, we're in this game right now, and this is a big game, and we need every real guy we have, and you're not one of them, he was really thinking. But things went not too good, and so the team was getting behind and uh, frustrating. Finally, by the end of the third quarter, it seemed to be almost hopeless, and the guy had been bugging him so much, so finally the coach thought, well, maybe for a player or two, I'll send him in, maybe he can add some enthusiasm. And sure enough, he goes out on the field, and no sooner did he hit the field, but the team exploded. They seemed to sense that he was <clears throat> really alive and enthused, and he blocked, and he tackled like a real star, and electricity leaped into the team, and the score evened up. And finally, in the closing seconds of the game, the kid intercepts a pass and runs for the winning touchdown. And the plays went wild. They broke loose. The kid was everybody's hero. Such cheering they'd never heard. Finally, when the excitement had subsided, the coach made his way over to this kid. And he said, I never saw anything like it. What in the world happened to you out there today? He said, well, coach, you know, my dad died last week. And the coach said, yes, I remember reading the telegram to you. Well, coach, he said, my dad was blind. And today was the first day he ever saw me play. Today may be the first day you realize that your Heavenly Father is watching you in life. And that's why Paul played the way he did. He said, whatever I do in word or deed, I do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He was playing his game, not for the grandstands, but for the one for whom it really counted. So even as the eminent God was in him by the power of the Holy Spirit, the sense of the transcendent God watching it, and he was doing it and playing on to him. He's watching you. And he can enable you. He's not absent, <laughs> unconcerned, blind or dead. He's alive, he's watching, he cares. He cares to have blanket coverage through you, so that all who meet you meet him, meet his love, meet his truth, meet his power, meet the sense of his presence. In this kind of a world, where it sometimes seems to look hopeless, we need those Christians who are alive, who aren't playing in just fair weather but who are out there day after day in unknown places and places behind the scenes, lost, ministering in the midst of the skyways and the hospitals and the schoolrooms, but not lost to the sight of him with whom it really counts. For he sees, and as he sees, he enables us to represent him in his grace. For he has prepared these good works that we should walk in them. By grace you are saved, but by grace we live and overcome and reflect his glory and his goodness and his blanket of love for the whole world. Amen. Lord, we sing often so lightly, in my life be glorified. 
May we, like Paul, by your grace, live so we can commend you in every situation. That we would not be a stumbling block, but a stepping stone. Lord, your grace is sufficient. Help us to get out of our little shacks, know the enabling grace that causes us to be able, in every situation, to glorify you. Wherever we go, whenever, whoever, however, you give us grace to go through. Amen. This was a great lesson that faith works. It truly works. Remember in Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's not be stumbling blocks this day, but rather stepping stones. God's grace provides us with blanket coverage to do that, to get us through anywhere, anything, anytime. Be sure to take God's grace wherever you go, but just don't keep him in your pocket. May we all be thermostats and not just thermometers because at the end of the day, we are playing this game called life for a father who is watching us play every day. We look forward to bringing you another sermon soon. May God's grace be with you all. Thank you for listening.